Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Yes, okay. I heard a yes from Robert. That's good enough for me. Avinu, our Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your love and your presence this morning. We pray that your word would go forth to encourage those who hear it, O God, that you would encourage and edify, um, build up your community, O God, um, that we would be empowered to be um, a light uh, in this and the larger community, O God. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Excuse me, excuse me for a second. Uh, everyone, uh, uh, you ready to count with me? Here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year! Should all acquaint... Wait, wait a second, wait a second. You, you, some of you are singing with me, but some of you look a little confused. Isn't, the, isn't this the new year? Yes? Okay, well, maybe, maybe I should back up and explain a little bit, and that, that might help. Give a little context, okay? See, you thought it was just Passover coming up, but Passover is really just Rosh Hashanah 2.0 the new version, right? Well, how can that be, you ask? Hmm, I'm so glad you asked. Today, we will explore why Passover can be seen as Rosh Hashanah 2.0, and I have three points, yes. And they all conveniently start with R for the ease of memorization. So, Passover is about renewal. That's number one. Number two, Passover is about repentance. And number three, Passover is about restoration. Okay? So let's begin with point number one. Passover is about renewal. So this past week was the beginning of the new year, which is why I had all these tchotchkes out here and while I was celebrating. And uh, so why do I say that? Why do I say it was a new year? Well, let's check out Exodus uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and this is what it says. Adonai spoke to Moshe and Aharon in the land of Egypt. He said, you are to begin your calendar with this month. That is the month they came out, which is the month of Nisan. Yes, it will be the first month of the year for you. That is, the month of Nisan, this month that we're in right now, is, the, is a kind of first of the month for the Israelites, the beginning of the calendar year. This is because Hashem wanted them to be defined by redemption and renewal. 
You see, Israel was and is a people rescued by God. And that is to be the way that they define themselves. Their whole calendar is oriented around that. Likewise, all of us who have put our trust in Yeshua are defined by redemption. We belong to God, and we are defined by His rescuing us from sin and death. We are renewed by that rescuing. It's like a new year. Do we see that? This is similar to what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 19. Uh, Paul puts forth the same idea. Therefore, if anyone is united with the Messiah, he is a what? New creation. Yes, the old has passed. Look, what has come is fresh and new, and it is all from God, who through the Messiah has reconciled us to himself. Let me say that again. Through the Messiah has reconciled us to himself and has given us the work of that reconciliation, which is that God in the Messiah was reconciling mankind to himself, not counting their sins against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So that sounds like a kind of a new year type of thing, a renewal, doesn't it? Amen. Thank you, Robert. So these times of renewal are to remind us that we are like a brand new creation of God since he has reconciled us back to himself through Messiah Yeshua. Now I want you to turn to someone and say, Happy New Year, you are brand new. All right. Do you feel brand new? Do you feel it? Yes. Well, you might not feel brand new, but the reality is, I know some of you do because I heard those, those yelps, okay? The reality is that if, if we are united with Messiah, we are brand new, no matter what you might feel. See, the Israelites, they might not have felt like a new people coming out of Egypt, right? They still had that kind of old way of thinking in them. You can take the people out of Egypt... Yeah, you got it, okay? But God was giving them a brand new start, right? It's a renewal. It's like a new year. That is, we are not defined by our past. We're not defined by our mistakes. We're not defined by our sins, by our old way of thinking. We are defined by renewal. But I know what you're thinking. The new year, I thought that was Rosh Hashanah, or as we say in America, Rosh Hashanah. That's in the fall, right? That's the beginning of Tishrei. That's the new year. Well, it turns out they are both a kind of new year. Rosh Hashanah became the new year for Jews through leading up to Yom Kippur over many years. Traditionally, Rosh Hashanah is connected with the creation account, right? The, the, the genesis of all things. So the beginning of all things and uh, the renewal of our hearts it happens during Rosh Hashanah as we move toward the Day of Atonement, move, moving toward Yom Kippur. So how can there be more than one new year, right? Well, you know, there's different kinds of beginnings and different renewals over the year. Uh, for example, a child in school or perhaps for a teacher, the beginning of the year is September, right? The United States budget goes by the fiscal year, which I believe starts October 
first. So that's another new year. Uh, and of course, we in, in uh, America, for the Gregorian calendar, we have January 1st, as I, as I showed you, right? So there's a lot of, of renewals. God, I believe, sets many times in the year for renewal and refreshing. So right now, the month of Nisan, it's, it's a special time in the calendar, and we want to we maximize this, right? We want to make good use of this renewal of this time. In fact, you could think of it as a, like a Nissan Maxima, perhaps, right? Or, or maybe, maybe like a Nissan Altima, like the ultimate preparation for Passover. Or maybe for the new year, you want to turn over a new Nissan Leaf, right, as a kind of hybrid between Rosh Hashanah and Passover. I should have stopped a while on the first one, right? Okay, well, okay, this brings us to the second point, right? Passover is about repentance. So what do we do during Rosh Hashanah to get ready for Yom Kippur? There's a period of self-reflection, or rather allowing the Ruach, the Spirit, to prepare us to, uh, to reflect in us uh, for repentance. Is there a similar period uh, during this time for self-examination and the cleaning out of the nefesh as we do uh, during this season, during Passover? Yes, it is called bedikat chametz, the purging of the yeast, the bread. Rav Shaul, that is, uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8. This is what he says. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know the saying, it takes only a little chametz, only a little yeast, to leaven the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old chametz so that you can be a new batch of dough. There's that renewal again, right? Because in reality, you are unleavened. For our Pesach lamb, the Messiah, has been sacrificed. So let us celebrate the Seder, not with leftover chametz, yeast, the yeast of wickedness and evil, but with the what? The matzah of purity and truth. Getting rid of the bread and the yeast in our homes is an outward sign of an inward process. There's a lot of things like that in Scripture, right? Like immersion in water. It's an outward sign of an inward process, a cleansing. So we are to think about our thought life during this time and our actions, and we are to repent for that which we know is not pleasing to God during this time. Leading up to Passover, we're getting rid of the bread. We're getting rid of the yeast in our home. We should be thinking about uh, that, that as a symbol of cleansing ourselves from sin. You're throwing out the bread, right? You're throwing out the, the, the baking soda or whatever yeast products, right? The rising products. And you should be thinking about um, getting rid of those things in our hearts. In the passage we read, Paul is doing a kind of uh, midrash. Of course, it's scripture, so it's inspired midrash, so it's special. On the purging of yeast and bread from the house before Passover. So the matzah in this case, is bread without leavening. It represents purity and truth, is what he says. So is just a little bit of sin okay? Just a little bit of yeast? 
No, because a little, he says, a little yeast, it rises the whole thing, right? Or in some translations say, this is one I like, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? Yeah, it's like one bad apple, right? But this is inside yourself. So Paul says we are a new batch of dough without yeast, right? So I turn to someone and say, you are a new batch of dough with no yeast, Tell, them, tell somebody else, you are matzah. Very nice. So we see that renewal naturally leads to repentance. That is, we're turning away from things that are, do not please God. And if you allow me my own midrash here, think about what yeast does to bread. What does it do? It creates little pockets of air. Bread with yeast, it's kind of kind of puffed up, right? It's like a person swelled up with pride. Not so the humble matzah, right? The humble matzah is not puffed up. It's it's low, right? Right? It's low to the ground. Okay? So the root of of all kinds of sin is is pride. It's that we're we're thinking we're the bee's knees, right? But reality is God holds our very breath in his hands, as it says in Daniel. So repentance actually means humility before the king of kings. We want to get low like the matzah, right? Get low. So the tradition during this time is to go through your house, uh, and we're going to, we have slash we are going to go through our house of worship and do some spring cleaning, right? Who thinks they need to do a little spring cleaning? right? In the house or in your soul, either way, right? Right? We, we need to do it from time to time. So some families, traditionally, they'll take 10 bits of bread for the children to search out and find, right? And then you can make a game of it. See? Cleaning can be fun. I'm kind of talking to myself here. I'm trying to... Whew, it's a rough, rough crowd. So this spring cleaning, it's based on the Torah commandment. It's in Exodus 12 and Exodus 13. It says to remove the chametz, remove the yeast and the bread from your house during this time. Okay? But for those of you who are detail-oriented, remember Sandy's drosh, right? You might be thinking, well, what if I can't get everything? What if there's still a crumb of scone or a bit of cakes of raisin uh, left behind that, that dresser, and I can't move it because I'm, you know, I haven't been working out. So when Passover arrives, there'll be crumbs that I can't, I'll, I can't get everything, right? Is that, does that worry any of you? Well, don't be worried, because built into the tradition, built into the system, there is a, there's a prayer, and it goes something like this, and we're going to say it downstairs a little bit later. Um, and I have it up here. Maybe we can say it together. All leaven or anything leavened which is in my possession, which I have neither seen nor removed, and about which I am unaware, shall be considered nullified and ownerless as the dust of the earth. Okay? Yeah, isn't that nice? So all those dusts and all that dust and those crumbs that I can't reach, right, or that I might have missed, they are like no longer mine. They're just the dust of the earth. Likewise, which of us can say we are fully cleansed from our sin 
That is, we have allowed the ruach to go through each nook and cranny of our souls, and now we are perfectly spotless and blameless before the King of Kings on Passover. Let he or she who is without sin throw their hand in the air. Yes, okay, I see a few brave souls, but, okay, if you raise your hand, that's pride. So, you kind of got you there. It's a trick question, okay? The truth is, of course, no one, no one can say that, right? So that's where God's grace comes in, right? To forgive us from our hidden faults and where we inevitably fall short from those crumbs that are going to be left there no matter what, no matter how much cleaning we might do. And this prayer links back to the grace of God to forgive us and to bring us the fullness of renewal and repentance. And this brings me to my final point. Passover is about restoration. Rosh Hashanah in the fall points to restoration um, because it points toward the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. And that is a day in which we trust that God judges us with mercy and where he restores us back to himself. Rosh Hashanah 2.0, that is Passover, also points to atonement, which restores us back to God. Atonement brings us back to Hashem. The medieval commentator Rashi notes that the word Pesach, from which we get Passover, uh, the, also the Passover sacrifice is called the Pesach in the text. It can have two meanings. So one idea is sparing or rescuing, right? And that's what happens during the Exodus. He takes us out of Egypt. And the other idea is, is it's also skipping over or passing over, right? So remember the blood of the lamb on the door frames in the Exodus story? It, it represents both ideas, God spared and rescued his people, and he also passed over, right, Pesach, the door frames with the blood of the lamb on them. So those doors he passed over, he skipped over. In the same way, as we look toward Passover, we see the fullness of grace expressed in this act of redemption. God looked to the blood of the lamb on the door, and it saved all those who trusted in him, right, from that last plague. The Passover lamb brought atonement, atonement. Now, this is a biblical concept expressed best in the book of Leviticus, which is actually the book that we're reading through in our parashot right now. So if you break it down, sin and rebellion against God, it creates distance. And God brings atonement and restores us back to him through uh, the tabernacle system, through the sacrifices. The way of atonement, that is restoration, comes through this tabernacle, which is God's presence with us. But what happens is the blood of the animals sacrificed on the altar in the tabernacle, they make a way for atonement and restoration of Israel back to God. This is kind of hard for our modern minds to, to understand. We don't think about, um, we don't usually sacrifice animals that much, but this was the, the mode of thinking back then, okay? And so there were two famous medieval interpreters who looked at it two different ways, and I think, in a sense, they're both right. So one of them was Maimonides, also known as 
Ramban, no, Rambam, sorry. Who's heard of Rambam or Maimonides? Yes. Okay. So he said that the sacrifices were designed to uh, get Israel out of idolatry. Remember we said it's easy to take uh, Israel out of Egypt, but can't take the Egypt out of Israel, right? And so that way of thinking. And the Egyptians, um, they were into idolatry. So they would perhaps be worshiping these animals, these goats, and the things that were sacrificed. So the According to Rambam, he said that the sacrificial system was to get them to, um, to not be thinking about worshiping these animals, right? But to see them as uh, rather sacrifices before the one true God, right? So other ancient peoples, they were worshiping these animals, right? And so um, God gave us this system of sacrificing to get us to worship him. Um, then there was another... Another guy, Nachmanides, he's known as Ramban, and he said that the sacrifices were for the purpose of substitution. So he envisioned that the priests would actually speak their sins and the sins of the people out loud, right? They would say that with their hands on the animal, signifying that this animal would somehow take the consequence of sin unto death so that there could be life and restoration for Israel, right? And so it was a substitutionary atonement, okay? It is in this way that the atonement of Yeshua on the tree, right, it brings restoration to us. Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. He says, God in the Messiah was reconciling mankind to himself not counting their sins against us, against them, um, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, right? So both Rambam and Ramban were right, right? But especially Ramban with that substitutionary sacrifice, that atonement. And for those of you who are paying attention, you may have noticed that I already read you that. That in the beginning of the sermon, right? It's a piece from, it goes back to the renewal and the repentance. So um, that means that I've come full circle. So it's probably time to wrap this sermon up. Today, we have talked about how Passover is Rosh Hashanah 2.0, the new version. And we've talked about how Passover is about renewal meaning that we are a new creation defined by rescue. Passover is about repentance, right? Meaning that we take time as we get rid of our yeast and our bread to remember the spiritual cleansing that should go along with it. And then, but of course, we're always trusting in God's grace because you can never find every tiny crumb and we can never repent for every sin. So we trust in his grace. And finally, Passover is about restoration, right? Trusting in the atonement of the Passover lamb to restore us back to God. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Avinu Shebeshemayim, our Father in heaven, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for this season, um, uh, this kind of new year and renewal. We pray that um, you would uh, touch each of our hearts, O oh God, to, um, to prepare ourselves and prepare our homes 
and uh, for for the Passover, Lord, um, and uh, we thank you for the truths in your word which you have brought out um, that um, inspire us and empower us to reflect your goodness and to be more like you, O God. And uh, we pray that you would bring renewal, repentance, and restoration during this season in our lives, in uh, the lives of our whole families, and in the, in the entire community where you've placed us, O God. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.